What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast with your host, Aaron Dante, who brings you the hottest interviews with the dopest people sharing their experiences all across the world. Now, here's your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Folks, we have a show for you. Let me tell you about this one. So, I reached out to Downtown Partnership. I was like, I like what you guys have got going on down there. You know, you send an email. You don't know if anybody's going to really respond. And I, oh, lo and behold, the next day I got an email saying, we like your show also. I was like, oh, man. So, I had to. I, you know, I turned off my computer real quick, turned back on. I said, is this really real? Like, this downtown partnership? And I was like, all right, all right, let me, let me follow back email. Make sure I'm cro- I was like, let me get proper grammar. Make sure I, you know, and You're I really funny. was really excited, <laughs> excited to really be a part of this. So we are on location downtown Baltimore at the downtown partnership, and we have an amazing guest on. We have the president of the downtown partnership, Ms. Yolanda Stokes. How are you doing today? <laughs> Aaron, I'm doing wonderful today. Thank you so much for having me. And please know that you call, we are absolutely going to answer. Hey, I, hey, you know, I, it's kind of like, you know, what's this up? The better call Tyrone. Like, like Erica <laughs> Bobby. Tyrone. No, I got you. <laughs> All right, but we really, I really appreciate No Picks. Really appreciate you taking time out your day. We know it's busy in downtown Baltimore. You got a lot of things it's going busy. on. But we, what I like to do is I like to give people a base about who you are. Okay. We're not going to get into the, we, we'll get into the meat of it. Yep. But let's talk about you because that's what the show is about. You, it's your show. We going. I'm going to sit back and listen, take some notes. I don't have my, it's going to be a mental notes. Uh-oh. Normally I have my pen and paper today, but I'm going to keep mental notes. <laughs> got you, got uh, you. All right, so let's, let's, let's start with, how do you, you know, are you from Baltimore? Come on. Like, oh we got, we got to ask. We got to ask. We have to I ask. I am Baltimore. When I talk about everything that I love, my passion, my education, my story, my history, it is all about Baltimore. I am her when I talk about it. And, and, and thinking about just the, the journey, you know, I started off like many Baltimoreans, you know, we have our ebbs and flows in our city, um, but grew up extremely poor. Right. My first job at the age of 14 was cleaning the inner harbor. And, you know, one of the things that I like in my journey to like our city is, you know, we are resilient. You figure out, you learn, you grow, you thrive, you people reach back and help you up and do that. And so you fast forward all of that kind of stuff. And I know I'm here today because of the shoulders that I stood on. I love that. I love that. You see your first job. So then you got to bring my first job back out. Uh-oh, tell so me So I was about the same age. My family had a convenience store on okay. Park Heights, right near the Park Circle. It was called Robinson Food and Grocery. Uh-oh. Let me tell you something. There was no child labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> I was working eight-hour shifts. <laughs> and me, I didn't get no breaks. It was straight no, eight hours. It no. was eight-hour shifts. I would go down and go get to KFC and grab and come right back. And That's my, it. And that was it. I'm going to tell you, but the work ethic, which is why you are here today, was instilled at that stage. 
It, I'm telling you, back then we worked. We didn't know that at that point, though. You're right. We probably were mad at our parents, like, why are we here? But but guess what? <laughs> guess what the result is. So so no, I, I am thankful. I love this city, all of the city. I'm, you're right, representing downtown right now. But I've lived everywhere. I went to five different elementary schools. Mm. Um, two middle schools, of course, only one high school because there's only one that matters. Uh-oh. I won't go there, but uh oh, uh oh, folks, uh oh, we about to <laughs> go there. Shout out, you know, you have you have to when you're in the city, but but no, I, I am a product of the city. I love the city and look forward to what you know she's going to become. Point five dot oh. So, give us your like your favorite memory, childhood memory, growing up. I always ask that question because we want like, no. What, what, what was like that moment? You're like. Oh, this is, I love this moment. I'll always remember this and I'll tell my children, I'll tell my grandchildren. So, so, you know, somewhat cliche to Baltimore, I love crabs so much. And so growing up, you know, you get to that place, like when you're really young and if you're from here, you know it, like it's a point that your parents stopped giving you the meat in the crab, you know, and they would (laughs) literally up until I was about two and that's how young they start, you know, they would feed me. You turn three. You get your own mallet, and you were doing it. And when I talk about the transition, for me, being able to crack my own crab, pull my own meat out of it, I had arrived. And Mm. so that, for me, was that Baltimore transition story. It it fits with who we are, and then it aligns. I know you've done a lot of work with Visit Baltimore, but it aligns with Kondwani's poem around that crack crab mm-hmm. it's it's who we are and that's and that's my story that was my sort of coming out story you you, you got me thinking about crabs now <laughs> and we're gonna ask a question at the end of the show about okay. crabs but okay i don't know if you did you ever go down a crab rail on monroe street See, Come on now. A lot of people, ser- but a lot of people don't know about Crab Road. Then, they, then they're not, they're not, they're from, not here. from here. Okay, no. okay. We need to take the card. <laughs> we need to take the card because for real, you have to know. <laughs> that was my, that was my, you know, that's how I found out like Crab mm-hmm. Road. This is amazing. You well, can no, go down there at noon and get good crabs. It's everything. <laughs> it is. So you said you went to the most, the coolest school, high school in Absolutely. Baltimore. Absolutely. What was that again? Come shout, on, it's Polly all day. It's only one school that counts. All, <laughs> only one that matters. No, I, I, I'm telling you, when you talk about our citywide high schools and now some of the others that, that's pulled in, it's a number, an army of people here who are in prominent positions that came out of our school system. So mm. shout out to Polly. I give some big ups to City, to Western, to Northwest. I mean, everybody that was a part of the, the, oh. that posse. Oh, okay, okay. So where'd you end up going for your undergrad oh that's a long story you don't even have enough time for that okay, but, okay, but okay, I no. ended up I'm gonna tell you where where it mattered no I, I first leaving Polly my first stop was at Virginia Tech okay so I went to Virginia Tech loved it you're a, ho- you're a hokey Blacksburg I, I really was okay. they, I went down on a scholarship um, state of Virginia had some budgeting problems and so the scholarships they couldn't maintain and so I thought my life was over mm. literally I was the first in my family to have gone to college, went down there on a scholarship. So you can imagine, I'm so excited. And when the money didn't pair the way that it was, I literally packed trash bags in my little hoopty <laughs> and drove and cried all the way back to Baltimore. And my mother at the time was working for the Department of Motor Vehicles. A lady got in her line and my mom is crying. I mean, everybody's crying because, mm. you know, I was like doing this for the family and she, she, the lady you know, explained to my mom, she said, has she ever considered Morgan? And my mom said, yeah, you know, she had, but she went down there and she said, no, ask her to go up to Morgan. I drove from Virginia Tech straight up to Morgan. I met with Dr. Stansberry, who was running the, the um, 
At that point, the honors program ended up with an immediate full ride to Morgan State University. And I promise you, degree in electrical engineering, that was the best thing that happened in my life. That's blessings right Nothing there. is by accident. Wow. Nothing is by accident. And so when you think about coming out of Morgan, an engineering degree, I had seven job offers, Hewlett Packard, GE, IBM, like you name it, was up there looking for minority women entrepreneurs with capacity and HP went I went to HP first and they were like they were looking for engineers with pizzazz mm. is what they call it. Like, okay. you know, okay. but, but doing it but but that was it and so Morgan I credit tremendously with with my growth and you know ascension throughout I love that story that that and that's what I always tell people keep pushing keep pushing you just don't know you don't know what who's out there who's mm-hmm. gonna inspire you who's gonna push you Keep on pushing. It's meant to be. It will be. And like I always tell, I almost quit doing this because, you know, I was so stuck up into like the likes of social media pressures. I'm like, oh, my God. They're not like the downloads aren't there. But what happened was I had somebody listening to the show and they said, my daughter, who's in high school, stayed and listened to your show. And I was like, a high school kid? It matters. And I was like, you know what? I got to keep on doing what I'm doing. Even if it's one, it's two, it's five, it's ten, you're changing lives. And that's and that you look at you. You could have just gave up right there at Virginia Tech. Right. Right. And you were first generation. Yep. So you had a lot you had a lot of things on your Yeah, you it, were, it was a it was you, a lot. It's still a lot. But but now it's getting to a place that it becomes a given generationally and what it shows me is as long as you're continuing to climb, you have to reach back. You have to. What is, what is your motivation? What is your motivation? Oh, my God. When I wake up in the morning and I see that there is still need, there are still people hungry, there are still youth and young adults who need to squeegee, there's still homeless neighbors, there's all of that, I'm motivated to continue to thrive. And I have a support system, a family, you know, that, that's around and surrounding me to make sure and keep pumping to make sure that that happens. All right, so we're going to, we're going to slide, slide to Hewlett Packard. Yeah. Okay. But that's not with the public yet. You're not with the public. Mm-mm. How do we transition from, because when I think of electrical engineers, they're in their, they're in their yeah. room, they're doing their thing, they're like, their numbers, you right? <laughs> you're doing your thing. How did you have, because I feel like it's more of an introvert thing. Mm, that's, that's interesting, that's how, right. A lot of my friends who are engineers, they're introverts. Right. But then you slide, you're sliding, you're moving now. How would, tell us a little transition of, you're like, was this for you? Or did you know this was for you? Or what changed your mind a little bit? I, I think a couple things. So one, money is a motivator. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, you know, when I go back to sort of my why in the story, one thing I didn't say in being poor and without is I watched my mother not eat. Mm. Right? She would... My brother and I, she'd fix our food, and she'd say she wasn't hungry. And then when we finished picking off of our plate, I would see her go back and pick off the plate. So, Aaron, it was at that point that I knew, regardless, I would grind and grind and grind so that she never, my children never, my my army, my team ever had to be in that position again. Mm. And so engineering for me was, following that career path was about, finding a career that I knew would always have job openings, right? That's one of those career paths that is creative. When you look at how can you make a lot of money with just an um, undergraduate degree, and blah, engineering is going to be one of those at the top. And so that's where I started. But you, when I got into the companies, the GEs, the HPs, and all of, all of that, what you saw is while the engineers were technical, 
at that point, the salespeople were really the ones who were making the money. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here, you know, and I came out of school, and, I, and I'll say it, I was amazed at coming out with just an undergraduate degree. I was making $40,000 a year. You couldn't tell me <laughs> stuff. I'm going to just say that because of the show. But you couldn't tell me anything, right? I had a company car. I had all of that. And so I thought I'd arrived. And then you start to see the salespeople riding up in this and doing I'm like, whoa, what is that? And part of it that you learn is the people who bring the money in, they're generally the ones that's also making the money. Similar to when I was down at, at Virginia Tech. I went down with a, a counterpart from, from Polly as well. He played football. So when they cut my academic scholarship, they kept his athletic. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't understand that athletics bring money into university. So, so they did that. He went on to play in the NFL. So I guess they made the right, maybe. But anyway, <laughs> that was a transition for me with HP. I got in there. I came in as an engineer. But you really started to see where the money was made and how you translate that into things. And so I went into sales of computer equipment. Mm. My quota at HP was $10 million. So I, ha- I was responsible for bringing in $10 million a year mm. to that organization. And although my salary had increased, you know, I was, came in making 40000 By the time I stopped there, I was making 80000 But I was making 80000 and bringing in $10 million. So, so somewhere, even if math is not your subject, right, th- those numbers don't necessarily equate. And so I ended up leaving. When you talk about how do you make that transition, I ended up leaving. And part of it was even if I could do 10% of those sales, right, I was doing $10 million, Even if I could bring in a million dollars a year, I could do far better for a company of my own right, Mm -hmm. than I could working that way. So part of my whole life's mantra has been about getting these positions, learn what you can, and then figure out how you transition that into something that's going to be a legacy for you, for your children, for your community. Figure it out because not everybody wants to work for somebody for the rest of their life. Is that when you figured out you wanted to work for yourself? That was it. That That was the transition. That was the transition period. And what was great about it is I was able to then leverage some of those other clients and stuff so that, you know, when I leaped out there, then it wasn't so scary. I was on my own and all of this kind of stuff. Because I do tell people who are interested in being an entrepreneur or going out in there, you have to be willing to burn the boat. Meaning once you go out there, it's all in. It's going to be nice. You're hungry. Nice. You can't make payroll. It's all of those kinds of things. But it'll be worth it. Folks. We'll be right back. That's a little teaser. It's going going forward. All right. We'll be right back on these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Remix Bar and Grill, located at 819 East Pratt Street, just north of Harbor East. Remix is a sports bar offering a sole food menu. With over 20 TVs, pool tables, outdoor patio seating, and private rooms, Remix is set up to be your premier downtown destination to watch all your favorite sporting events. Open from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Friday and Saturday, and 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday. Check out Remix Bar and Grill on Instagram and Facebook under at RYMKS Baltimore for daily happy hour specials and weekly events. Remix Baltimore. All right, folks, we are back at the No Picks After Dark podcast. And again, we have the president, the president, downtown partnership for Baltimore City, 
Ooh, I had to go through Secret Services. I forgot, I forgot <laughs> to tell y'all that. They were, they were checking my, they were checking my bags. I said, "It's only my certs." I don't, you know, search me the old school day. I, like, I don't know. I, I'm glad they got me, got us through. So I appreciate you getting this in because she was like, "They with me." I said, "Okay." Nah, we we please we rolled out the red carpet. We heard you were coming doors open. No, they had top flight security. So again, thank you for everybody who's working with downtown partnership. Everybody's doing great things in Baltimore. Really appreciate what you guys are doing out there. So shout out to you guys. So let's talk about we talked about the entrepreneurship. Yeah. So how nervous were you to jump out there knowing that you had that steady income coming from HP? You you know, you I had know. that you had yeah. that, that money's flowing. Now you own your own. You own your own. Take us through that entrepreneurial, tr- like that journey of what was the name of the company? What did you do? How yeah. did you start? Let's give us a little quick background. I will. And, and the thing about entrepreneurship that's so real, depending on how you do it, you eat what you kill or you eat what you grow, what you grow regardless of how you say it. If you're not grinding, you're not eating. Mm. And so you're right. That transition was crazy. So my business partner um, and my husband had... I call it a fraternity um, called Graybo. And I called it a fraternity because they would start work probably at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or later going all the way up. And they did a lot focused in the music industry. So they had worked with different artists and different labels, and they were doing music. And when I came on board, part of what I had that they didn't previously was the corporate component to it. And so part of what we started doing early on is how do we take the music that you're having and monetize it? Because for me, I'm always at the end. How do you monetize it? And the thought was every artist wants to be something. We didn't have all of those inroads, but guess what? Every commercial needs music. And so we started building on how do we get what they have into commercials? What the state, the, <laughs> they didn't even know they were our first client at the point. So, you know, we're, I'm coming come in to work with, you know, the Graybo team on what we're going to do. We go in and pitch to the state of Maryland. At that time, the office was called DBED, and we sold them on this amazing concept of helping bring business here and what we could do. It had a little song and this little theme that we did with the MD, put graphics behind it. And when I tell you, Aaron, at the end of that presentation, they were like, oh, my God, that's so great. How much? And we look like, how much? Like, we didn't think about that right. part. You know, and you know how you watch those movies and it's like, ah, ah, people like throwing papers in their head trying to come up with an answer. That's where we were. And it's like, can we have a minute to kind of talk about it? And so they stepped out and we we're like, oh, you know, right. like trying to figure it out. And ultimately what they said is, you know, my business partner, my husband, you know, they were like, what would it take for you to not go back to corporate America, for you to stay here and do this. Mm. And we thought about a number. And, and one of the things that I learned in the development was when you're negotiating, if you say a number and that number doesn't make you just want to bust out laughing, you didn't say a number that's high enough. And we said it. And they said, okay. <laughs> and we were like, okay. And, you know, and that was really the formal part of how our business began and it's been incremental since then we would get a contract build team get a contract build team and like I said there there have absolutely been some hard nights you know some of those ones where you know the the client didn't pay and we have to make payroll and all of those you know sort of things that you go through as an entrepreneur but at the end of the day we continue to evolve from just you know doing the music to doing music and commercials to doing graphics to doing branding mm. and the like and ultimately i think one of our biggest sort of claims to fame from a 
an awareness perspective was Afrian. Mm. You know, and, and, and can you, that... Can you tell me a little bit about Afrian? Give me give a little background about Afrian. I will absolutely. It's funny. It was probably within our, I don't know, fifth year, sixth year as a company where we had started growing and, and doing corporate events and all of this. And at that point, the mayor's administration and um, Mayor Rawlings Blake was in office at that time, was putting out an opportunity for people to bid on producing Afrian. And so we're like, well, you know, what does that entail? And at that point, it was like, tell us what it should entail. And so we submitted, we were one of the companies that submitted, you know, to be able to produce it. And when you talk about something that is a staple of our city, that represents our city, the African-American Festival, AFRAM does that. This is figuring out how you bring life, music, in the culture of our community so that everybody can see it. It's, it's not just for black people, but it is about the culture and the essence of all of that. And so it was an amazing honor to be able to take and, and figure out how we represent that in mm. the form of music artists, in the form of financial literacy and empowerment. And at its height for us, I mean, we were bringing in sponsors like Pepsi and Toyota and all of these ones who were not just coming there to hand out pamphlets, but doing real impact, bringing in real, you know, celebrities to help us with business. And, I mean, we were doing expungement. I mean, anything that you name, health screenings. One, one sort of key factoid, one year we, we brought in and we started doing some um, screening for diabetes. Oh. We had five people who had to be rushed to the hospital immediately. They said they were literally, they didn't understand why they hadn't already gone into a diabetic coma. So, I mean, from saving lives to getting jobs to just having fun, that festival was amazing. I mean, bringing hundreds of thousands of people to the city. We talked a little bit offline, folks, and uh, one thing I was telling her was like, every summer, mm-hmm. I looked forward to that. I had family members that came from Alabama. They came from Michigan just for Afram. They did. Like that to me, that's what it was all about. And uh, I just remember that. So thank you for giving us a little plug on that. So we're going to get to, we're going to get to the meetup now. Cause okay. Okay, we, we had to get the background downtown partnership. Okay. So I've read somewhere. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the intern. You were the intern. Yep. And cause uh, the former person was Kirby. Yep. He went to the zoo. He did. And when you took over, it was right before the pandemic. It was right. It was really right. It was literally <laughs> it was here. right before. It was, here. It, was, it was here. It was here, and we were trying to figure it out. So, first, let's take us through the wave of emotions first. Okay. Was this something you always wanted to do? The downtown partnership, like <laughs> that is so. I, I always wondered that, like, cause, right? Because then now you're you're really enough. I always ask anything as a public figure. It's a whole different ball game when different. when when you producing behind the scenes. Right. Now you are the face. That is, it's funny that you said that. So Kirby and I, what was funny is as Kirby was making his decision to leave um, downtown partnership, he had some, had some, he had asked me at that point, he's like, Shalanda, I really think you would be good in this role. And at the time, you know, I'm running Grable. I wasn't looking for a job. I was like, ha, 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 that's <laughs> funny. Um, I was the chair of the board for downtown partnership okay. at that point in time. And so when Kirby announced that he was leaving, it was right before the pandemic as we know it hit. Like, it was some stuff happening. We really didn't know how it was happening. But within, like, a week, people were shut down and things were happening. But early on, remember, we thought, oh, this COVID thing, it'll last, what, two weeks? It'll last a month. It'll last. 
not knowing that it was going to have as tremendous an impact as it has. And we were a downtown partnership, me chair the board, going through a process of hiring somebody. Mm. We were looking for the replacement. And when COVID happened, you know, we didn't think that we could do stuff on Zoom. Like, you can't hire anybody from Zoom because, like, why would you do that? So let's put it on pause. Mm -hmm. And that's when my board asked if I would go in on an interim basis and and just kind of keep the ship going. Aaron, when I got into this organization, I could see the culmination of my life's experiences, my education, my passion, all of that stuff was in this job, right? Because you could, now you had an opportunity to create for all of Baltimore. Mm. You know, you, you had an opportunity to infuse black and brown businesses in downtown in ways that they hadn't in the past. You had an opportunity to help grow the businesses that were here. I had an opportunity to, all of the stuff that I've worked on from economic development to marketing to engineering, right, all play a part and you saw it here. So I wasn't looking for something, but it found me and I promise you this is one of the best places and things that have ever happened to me in my life. Wow. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I forget my questions now. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, but, uh, but when the pandemic hits, mm-hmm. <clears throat> full steam ahead. Yep. Right now, I mean, like I, said, I don't know the occupancy of downtown. We're, we'll get into a little yep. bit. I don't want to. I, wanna, can, I, don't I wanna, can break it down. I'm, oh, I know you got the numbers. I know you do. And the pandemic hits. Yep. Downtown's a ghost town. Yep. What is going through your mind? You're like, I just got this great gig. And now I'm about to build the shit back up again because I don't know if people are going to come back to downtown. Yep. We don't know how the world is going to be next we year. Don't. We don't know what we're, what's going to happen. What was your thought of pivoting, like doing a pivot? Like how did you pivot yep. and make it through? I'm, I'm going to keep you on it. The first part of the pandemic. Right. <laughs> like, no, there's no, a no. Why, there's a reason why I'm saying the first part. Because right. I feel like the second part. Because that was the real part. That, right. that, was the, that was the part that was the most unknown and what was so interesting. When I first started this job, all of downtown partnership was working from home. Right. So, so we have about 100 team members. Half, About 40% of them are on the administrative side. So we're doing marketing, you know, economic development stuff. But 60% of them are frontline workers who are on the streets help keeping clean and mm-hmm. safe and doing homeless outreach. So I'm not sure how that happens from home, right? And so we had to first, right, get people to feel secure enough, safe enough, to wrap around some things enough so that they could get back to work. And so I had to work with the administration to get our team deemed essential mm. employees so that they could you know, get on the bus okay. and do some things to come back down. So that was the first part of kind of getting there and build their trust because you don't want the team feeling like, oh, she's just sending us back out there. I was in here with them, and you're right. Nobody else was downtown. Like, I felt like <laughs> downtown partnership was one of only, like, us in the city, right? We were down here doing some things. And then you layer on George Floyd. So, mm. so we, in the beginning of COVID happens, and now George Floyd happens. And so you have downtown, which is the center place of people being able to express and all of that. And you have business owners who aren't here but, but have assets that are downtown. And so one of the first sort of acts of it, my, and this was like a week into the job, people are boarding up, right? Because right. all of that stuff is happening and so one of my first sort of team building out, I asked the team about us going out and painting heart and love and mm. all of this on some of the boards to say, it's, it's not just us and them, it's, it's we. And how do we do this collectively? Funny story. 
So I'm the first black president of Downtown Partnership of Baltimore. We're out painting. And I asked the team, periodically, as you do the painting, send me back some pics so I can see it. <laughs> they sent me back one of the pictures that they've painted, and it was Black Lives Matter. Now, Black Lives Matter to me, no doubt. But for my team to paint that on the buildings down here, my heart is like, oh, my God, I'm going to be the shortest tenure president because somebody's <laughs> going to get me out of here. And then they ended up telling me, no, no, no. One of our property owners who is not black said black lives matter, and that's what I want on my building. Mm. When you start to see the transition of coming into this role, encouraging people to come back, we have the social justice movement, but you have a business community that's standing up and saying, how can I help? How can I be part of the solution that's where you started to see momentum. So even seeing that, my team starts grinding. So we're mm. out doing that. We're figuring out how we do some things to feed people who are in need. We created an, a program called Curbside Baltimore where we purchase, pre-purchase from all of the restaurants gift certificates so that we could give them an infusion of cash to keep their doors open. And at the same time, when we sold it to people, put $10 on it so that it would encourage them to buy. It, at that point, it was how do we keep the ecosystem going? So early... COVID, it was let us all lock arms mm. and figure out what we need to do to keep people eating because gotcha. that was a hard time for everybody. Now, with we get through the winter months, the outdoor seating, were you a part of that? Of course. All right, let's get a little bit about it because I'm not I mean, I've traveled. And when I see the outdoor seating, it reminds me when I'm in Europe. I know. It has a European feel of like you're like, I'm in Paris, I'm in Barcelona, like Greece, like that, that's, you're eating on the street with the cobblestones. That's how it felt. No. And again, what was your thoughts behind that? Like doing that and helping out these businesses to get back on their feet, especially that, restaurants. That's exactly what it was. it was. It was actually an emphasis on restaurants. I was honored to have been asked, and this was by Mayor Young at the time for Councilman Costello and I to chair what was a business, small business recovery initiative around COVID. Okay. And so we did create a carve out around the restaurant community because that, that was a part of it. And it was figuring out how do we remove the barriers? How do we create opportunities when their um, ability to only have 25% of the people in their mm. restaurant? How do you expand all of that? And so what you do at that point is like, it's everything, like, let's figure it out. So outdoor dining just having that was not only an extension of their seating, but it was also looking at and working with the city around how do we make it easy? How do we help reduce the fees and processes and barriers? And Councilman Costello really did a great job at a process that normally took three months for them to get that approval, getting it down to three days. And working <laughs> with BDC and, and Colin and them over there, they had the design for distancing that transformed not just that, but even open spaces into places where the restaurants and the community could all come out. At this point to what we were doing, it was how do you leverage every resource that we have to be a unit in furthering, you know, the outreach for those restaurants. I, uh, I hope it's here to stay. I really, I really think. And then you guys did another amazing thing. You um, closed down Charles Street. We did, and that that was that was another spectacular thing. Uh, I saw that, and I drove through, and I came by and walked up. I was like, "Wow!" Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever been to Barcelona, but there's a not. place called Las Rambas. Las okay. Rambas is like a Times Square of Barcelona, and it reminded me of that. It's one main strip of all this, all the shops. Oh, that that is it's pretty beautiful. dope. It's pretty I, dope. So it's on my bucket list now. Las, Las Rambas. I can tell you that for the outdoor dining, Mayor Scott. 
um, probably two months ago, we did a press announcement and he extended it for at least another year. But his comment was, if we can figure out how to make it here to stay, we want to do that in terms of the outdoor dining. So that piece, yes. I love it. Charles Street Promenade was amazing. 14 blocks of Charles Street. Mm. It had never happened before. Closed it down and still figured out a way to make sure that it was COVID safe. Mm. But those restaurants and businesses up there told us since Artscape, you know what I mean, outside of that, they haven't had anything that's being, been able to drive that amount of revenue. At the end of the day, it's about helping businesses grow and thrive and all of us standing up and being responsible and accountable for our part in that. Now, I apologize. I didn't ask this question off the top. Okay. <clears throat> what is your role? Like, for, like, what, like, what, what is it for business owners? What are, you, are you helping getting new business into the community downtown? I mean, because a lot of people, I live, that's going to be a question. What do they do? And right. I, and I, I want to make sure I ask that question. I'm going to answer it with the question, what don't we do? No. Okay. <laughs> so Downtown Partnership, I actually have two roles. I'm the president of Downtown Partnership. I am the executive director of the Downtown Management Authority. But both organizations are really about the betterment of downtown. Downtown Partnership focuses on the marketing aspects and the vibrancy. So we produce with Visit Baltimore Restaurant Week. We produce the monument lighting. We're doing Charles Street Promenade with partners. And so it's really how do we create these exciting initiatives to give people a taste and flavor of our city. Mm-hmm. The Downtown Management Authority, though, is a, is a centralized area. So I have 106 blocks, and that's where my team goes out, and we do the cleaning. You see them out there. We do safety. We do homeless outreach. We're doing capital projects and improvement and so I'm working with the business community I'm working with the residents I'm working with the mayor's office it is all hands on deck whatever needs to be done to help our downtown thrive and be vibrant that's what we do it's only 24 hours in a day I don't sleep (laughs) (laughs) sleep is overrated no I don't I I sleep with my phone there's so many things that's not right about this from a health perspective once we get over the hump We'll figure out the sleep component. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about the Boost program. Let's talk about the Boost. What's going on with the Boost? I saw something on my Instagram feed. I saw it on my Facebook feed. Hopefully. I saw it on Twitter feed. Um, I saw a couple places that I knew. Um, I'll give him a shout out. Kodak Bakery. Oh, I'll give a shout out. And I saw no. I saw her and I was so excited that uh, she was one of the winners. Um, again, not to knock everybody. Hey, congratulations to everybody who have, was the Absolutely. first round. Right? First round? Was that was the first round. That first was the first round. cohort. Okay. That was the first cohort. So so layering on what we do with Downtown Partnership, you, what we noticed in coming in here is that pre-COVID, but exacerbated by COVID, was the amount of ground-level retail space that was vacant. So when you walk around any city and you start to see that much vacancy, you think increased crime, you think, you know, lack and all of that kind of stuff. And so we were looking at how do we create a program that deals with the vacancy. In the Central Business District area, we have vacancy rates of almost about 24%, which is high for for vacancy in an area. So it was how do we deal with that at the same time being intentional for our black and brown businesses, Mm. right? And so it was can you create an initiative that deals with both, both, and that's what BOOST does. BOOST stands for Black Owned and Operated Storefront Tenancy, meaning we want to make sure we're helping make our downtown reflective of the demographics of our city. We know we're a minority city, right? But we're not, that's not reflected in all of our business community. So how do we do our part being intentional about making that happen? And so we worked with the property owners who were excited to figure out how do we create affordable leases? And affordable is relative, right? right. Affordable could mean 
rents that's commiserate with sales. It could mean we're set on this price, but each of those are negotiated separately so that it is workable. We don't want any business going into this having to figure out how do I pay the next thing. We made sure that we were able to seed them with $50,000 mm. each, and that helps with facade improvement and build-out and operating expenses. But even better than that, and this goes back to my days as an entrepreneur, the cohort model, we've surrounded them with an education accelerator system that gives them training in marketing, um, legal, technology, mm. all of this stuff so that we are continuously developing them. The, the presenting sponsor of our Boost program is this company, Fearless. I don't know if you're familiar yep, with them, I with the Lolly. But they came here, you know, five years ago, 15 employees. Now they're over probably 150 employees, $40 million in revenue. That's what we want to model for those businesses. How do we grow them to scale? That's the first cohort. And open it up, right? We want to have a second cohort by the end of the year or first of next year so that we continue to thrive and make our downtown our downtown. You know, it's funny. One of my um, fellow entrepreneurs, he sent me, he sent it to me. Like, no picks in your apply for that. Like, you nah, should I, have. You know, you know, you know what? I wish you would You have. know what? Sometimes you're not ready. Sometimes you're not. Okay, sometimes, so cohort two. Sometimes you're not ready. You know what I mean? Sometimes I you're not. I don't know. I'm seeing some, all of this equipment up in here. I feel like. Uh, sometimes you're not ready. Sometimes you, you got, it's, 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 it's timing. Timing is That everything. is true. That's you know, very true. You know, you got to look at things and I look, I, I think too much, but I would like to, you know, but I love my city and whatever I can do. And that's why we're doing this podcast to get the word out. Cause, I love because it. Because I definitely, when the next time it comes up, Let's run it back and we'll talk about it because I'll get more people involved so you can hear about it. And you will apply. I'm giving it like <laughs> see, DC see, right. See, see, Now, occupancy like in downtown. Yeah. So how are we trying to keep, I know that the state's bringing yep. their employees downtown. What type of initiatives or type of things that you're trying to attract businesses to come back down here? No, it, it's a ton of things. So, yeah, so having the state come down was a big win. Okay. Um, kudos to Governor Hogan and Senate President Ferguson for really hearing our cries and for ali aligning with us around bringing those businesses down here. That will replace some of what we're losing in terms of, of um, businesses who are moving into other areas. But part of what we want to make sure that you feel in downtown is a 24-7 vibrancy. Okay. So it goes beyond just bringing in employees. It's about making sure that we're attracting restaurants and we're doing things that really go on to the culture of an area. What's great about the core of downtown, we have about 8,500 residents. People don't know that. Within a one-mile radius, we have 42,000 residents. So downtown is its own neighborhood. And neighborhoods need park spaces. And neighborhoods need art. And they need restaurants and they need culture and all of those things and so our goal within the next three to five years is to make sure this is the hottest spot in downtown and you start to see some of the developments already the arena redevelopment is happening which is phenomenal and you saw one of the Kevin Durant. Owners in that. Yep. Woo -woo, Kevin Durant. right so you have the <laughs> arena you have Lexington Market you have the super block mm -hmm. all of these things that are starting to happen Harbor East Harbor Point and the core, and this is the heart, right, of the city. It's our downtown. So the goal is to make sure that we're doing all of those, you know, really highlighting our assets so that people have something to come back to. Folks, I'm not going to, I used to eat on lunch every Thursday, the farmer's market, right? Mm -hmm. Southwest Airlines did it one year. Yep. Man, I, it was packed. Packed. And I used to go to it every Thursday. So every Thursday. So we started it, we started it, slow walked it early on with about four vendors. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, the business community hasn't 
fully come back. What we're hearing is they'll start in September. And so we started priming the pump with the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. We have on Wednesday nights, we have Zumba with Queen D. I don't know if you've ever had her class. You will, I'm telling you, one of the best in life. We're doing that. We're doing concerts every Friday in Center Plaza. So the goal is to do a number of different things to give people a little taste to come back, right, so that we get them kind of heated up. And then in September, we're doing a full welcome back month. It'll be fireworks. It's going to be a number of things that's, Ooh, that's going on. Oh, yeah. Bring, you, them you, it's, bring them out. So, okay. All right. So we got, I got a couple of things to talk about. CIAAs. CIAA. Now, I I've been to it in Charlotte. Okay. <laughs> okay, I've, I've been. Okay. All right. And I was so excited to um, for it to come this year, and unfortunately it didn't happen. What plans do you guys have going into next year? I mean, how far? Tell, I mean, what, what, are, what are your thoughts going into next year? What thing? I know Baltimore's going to show out. No, Baltimore is going to show out. Definitely. What are some things we're going to do to try to pump up getting towards that? Because I know, I mean, let's be honest, March is going to be here very soon. I know. March is tomorrow. So the good thing, so this year they, they ended up doing it in a hybrid fashion. Right. So it, some people knew, some people didn't. But they didn't want to lose the momentum and have a year pass um, in it. And so we want to be able to build on that this year. And so the arena, you know, is locked down. Some of the hotels and all of that stuff is locked, locked down so that we have the empowerment and all of those other other things but we want Baltimore to really show out mm -hmm. show out from the time that people land all the way through going to the games and interacting around and so for downtown partnerships part we're working with uh, visit Baltimore and others to figure out even how we do a boost light right is there a way that for the vacant spaces that we have in between that we're doing pop-ups of Mm. No picks after dark, perhaps, hey. and others, right? So other retailers and businesses and restaurants to come down that didn't have an opportunity to be down here but want to take advantage of all of those people who are coming. And we want to give them a taste of Baltimore. So we're looking at things like that, the talent lineup oh, and all of that. You said taste of Baltimore. Taste of Baltimore. I mean, when I think about that, I think about taste of Chicago. Oh, Can we get something like that? Oh, Walk? Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean now, I'm I'm just, thinking, now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking. Take it up a notch. <laughs> Take it up. I've gone. I've gone there a couple of times, but absolutely, I got that's you. the thought. I, I, and I was fortunate enough to work with Visit Baltimore with the CIAAs, doing a couple of things where I spoke with Al, nice. um, Al a little bit before that, and was doing some of the media work. Yep. Behind the scenes, which was really amazing to be a part of something like that. So I'm very excited. They for that have. They year. have some really good stuff planned. It was actually a, a big meeting today um, that they have because we we want to roll out the red carpet. Yeah. What we know. Mm is people people had a good time in charlotte but charlotte is not as walkable with all of the things you had to right. get in an uber and do that and so we really want to map out for them a way that you don't even have to get in a car and you can go from this empowerment seminar to the game mm -hmm. to the evening event you know with all of that to kind of move people through and have them feel ex you know just excited about being here in baltimore and baltimore is a walkable city so you can walk anywhere really so restaurant week yes. this episode's coming out restaurant week all right, you know I, I'm excited because like I'm a big guy. I like to eat, so I'm going. So tell us a little about how you guys are involved with Old Bay or something. Yep. Visit Baltimore. Yes, yes. What's going yes. on with that? Tell us a little. So bit about Visit that. Baltimore and Downtown Partnership always partner together to produce Restaurant Week. For the first time, Old Bay is sponsoring, which is, I mean, it's the perfect match. And what they've done, and what we've all done, and it was. It started with the guise of how do we help the restaurant community. So we didn't want to put something on them that was a burden. At the same time, we want to encourage people to come out. And so we reduced the fees even for restaurants to be a part of Restaurant Week. And 100% of those dollars goes to marketing, mm. to for, like 
us in Visit Baltimore, nobody's taking anything from it. We want to put it out so that people know that it ex- exists. But Restaurant Week goes from the 23rd, Friday the 23rd, it started all the way through August 1st. So people have a little bit more than a week to get out there. And we have tiered pricing this year to help people meet where they are. And so tiered pricing means lunches start at $10.00. Dinner starting at $25, and it's tiered so that depending on how your pockets are set, there's something for everybody. And it's varied, right? You can dine in, you can take out at curbside. And so it's really to be COVID safe, but to encourage people to come out and support. And Obey wanted to make sure they were doing that and getting people out. And so that was the perfect Marriage, and I don't know if you saw they have this little um, have the QR codes at different restaurants. You saw that where you can scan and then you can win additional prize. So it's incentive, incentive, incentive around bringing people out, support the restaurants, come out, taste some stuff. This is what makes our city our city. It's our culinary experience. So hopefully, people will try something new. Folks, you heard it here first. You heard it here first from person's rock and rolling with it you know it's, it's great restaurant week who doesn't like restaurant week you have to so we got through all the crazy hard questions now okay. we got the, now we're gonna relax a little bit all right my little speed round okay uh-oh this is where it gets scary a little scary what inspires you every day we talked a little bit about it but, but what yep. inspires you I'm, I'm gonna say earlier i talked about when i wake up and what i see mm-hmm. but i'm gonna tell you my family is my inspiration they are my why okay your favorite author it's a good one I'm going to give you favorite right now is Michael Gerber. Okay. He did the book, um, The E-Myth Revisited. And, the, and why that's so important is it really talks about how, as an entrepreneur, sometimes people go into the business thinking, I'm a great pie maker, so I'm going to be a great pie business. Mm-hmm. But the business is separate. And so that book really helps, and all of his stuff really helps hone in on Learning the lessons, but really being about your business and feeling, figuring out how to monetize things. I love it. And what you said, yeah, what you, your name too sounds like. You oh, no, no, no. Okay, 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 we can okay. stay there. Okay, okay, okay. We can stay there. Okay. Your favorite musician. You know how to ask, oh, you had to, you know how to ask the question. You know who my favorite musician is, and I've never seen her. Even, it's so funny, when we were doing Afram, I kept trying to figure out how to get her there. I have two. Can I give you two? Go ahead. My favorite of all time is probably Lauren Hill. Okay. <laughs> That's who I wanted to get at the festival, and they were telling me, oh, it's a little shaky. You know she might not show up, though. I know. That's what they said. That's, <laughs> that's why we didn't, because I couldn't afford that. And then you, have, you can't do anything without saying Beyonce. I mean, Beyonce is like a given, but Lauren Hill is, you know, is that one. I would love to see you, Lauren Hill. I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that. My, that's my favorite Prince. I saw, Are you serious? I, I, I saw him down at the... Uh, Dennis Civic Center. Uh, yeah, when he Burns. did, was it? Baltimore did. Yep, when he did the thing. That He's was my fun. favorite artist of all time. That's wonderful. I, I cried. I'll cry. Wait, did you get to meet him? I didn't, but it was all good, though. I saw I saw, I saw, saw him dancing around, and I was like, life is good now. All right, check it. Check that out. Check out. Check out the box. So, your favorite, your favorite year of Afram. What year was your favorite? Oh, my God. And who was the, who was the. I'm going to tell you, I don't remember the year, but it was when I brought back the legends of hip hop. Okay. Oh, my God. Big Daddy Kane did a flip off the stage. Mm. Um. MC Light shut it down, salt and pepper. I mean, it was, wow. we brought them out, you hear me? And it was old school meets new school. I mean, to have Dougie Fresh and you had the old people and they talk about, teach me how to Dougie. Teach. <laughs> I mean, that was the ultimate year to me. I love it. I love it. Crabs or crab cakes? 
Come on, crabs. Okay, okay. Not because not everybody can make crabs. I can tell you that. Crab cake, <laughs> crab cakes. Flats or drums? Drums. Chick- okay. All right. Here, here's the question. I always no, no, no. Flats. No. I'm uh, sorry. Okay. Right, because it was it, my family would kill me. It is definitely <laughs> the flats. It is definitely the flats. Blue cheese. Okay. Or ranch. Or you can say neither. You can say you can. No, I'm, I'm gonna go with um, blue cheese, which is interesting. All right, good. Okay, so we we keep okay. the show going because I was gonna be like, <laughs> we got you off, got that ranch. <laughs> um, what is the best advice you have ever received? Don't quit. Don't quit, no matter what. I mean, I may cry. You may cry yourself. You may do all of this kind of stuff, but you got to get up and keep going. And that has literally been the mantra that's helped me get to where I am. I will not stop. I love it. I love it. I love it. What's the contact info for Downtown Partnership? Where can we find you on? Are you guys on TikTok? Because I hear that's what the cool... You know what? That's what I hear, too. I just just did something myself. I made one TikTok. It's a little crazy. But anyway, um, Downtown Partnership, um, go downtownbaltimore.com is our website. And then we're on every social channel, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, is Downtown Partnership, and then Downtown Balt, and then Shalonda Stokes. I do mine separately, just with my name, same channels. Find us, follow us, be with us, ride with us, help us get better. The goal is it's, it's all of us together. Folks, I'm going to drop it like that. I don't need to talk anymore. Peace, love, and happiness. We're out. Peace.